0: Making it in business isn't about spreadsheets, this or that. It's about guts, tenacity, and above all, street smarts. Join Sarah Shaw as she talks with successful entrepreneurs about all the hard-won lessons they've learned on the mean streets of the business world. If you've ever felt stuck, stifled, or even just scared to get out there and make your mark, you'll learn how even the most successful entrepreneurs overcame failure and found the power to move forward. So forget about learning about business in school, because all you need to make it big is a street-smart MBA. And here's your host, Sarah Shaw. Hey there,
1: Sarah Shaw here with another episode of Get a Street-Smart MBA. And I'm here with Susie Ekman, who's dedicated her career to American-made products. She was raised in the Deep South, has spent precious time in her father's workshop, learning, making, and listening to stories. Trips through the countryside, discovering potters, blacksmiths, and textile weavers instilled a deep appreciation for makers who create beautiful product with their hands. This early life exposure combined with decades of executive management in U.S. manufacturing companies led to the launch of Maker's Market. So Maker's Market was founded on the idea of modernizing and keeping American-made goods alive for a new generation, goods that are authentic, well designed and sustainably produced. Makers Market celebrates the resurgence of the country's maker movement with its nostalgic general store vibe and online boutique. So Susie, welcome. So glad to have you. Thank you. So let's just talk a little bit about how, you know, I know you've got your background and and how you, you know, kind of grew up in the world of of the maker world and so but how did you start makers market like what you know kind of what led you to that
0: and how did you get it going right so you talked about my background and really the concept mm-hmm. for makers market has been evolving throughout my life um, and I just really had reached that point in my career where it was time to see all of my dreams come together. I'd always been focused on helping businesses thrive, supporting jobs in the U.S., making things and ethical sourcing and materials. And really, Maker's Market was a perfect intersection of everything that I love, um, resulting in the promotion of American makers and preservation of craft for future generations. So we started in uh, June of 2014. We launched our online business uh, based out of San Francisco. And then six months later, we had the opportunity to open a pop-up store in Union Square, San Francisco, and then we just started oh. adding more locations after that.
1: So you guys actually have physical locations? Correct. Wow. I didn't get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I'm surprised. laughs> <We> okay. <do. laughs> and so where, where are the other stores?
0: So, so you have one in Union Square. Yeah, well, we did have a couple in Union Square, uh, which were temporary locations, and then last year we moved down to Santana Row in San Jose. Um, So we have a permanent store in San Jose right now with plans to add um, a large flagship store in San Francisco that will be 10,000 square feet on one of the piers in San Francisco, as well as another store in the Bay Area, and then we're looking at... Also expanding in New York, uh, two different locations. One being um, a store within a store concept in Manhattan for a large uh, department store brand, and then another being uh, potentially in um, Chelsea Market in New York.
1: Awesome! That is so exciting. Uh, I can't wait to come see your stores in San Francisco, and then I'm up after they open. <laughs> yeah since that's home base for me um so um so as so you guys developed the website obviously first, right it was um you know bringing in buyer you know uh products and things that you um admired and and liked and everything and so are those are you going to be carrying the same brands in the stores that you carry on the on the website, or do some of them not cross over or how does that work?
0: Right. <clears throat> so we have we have uh, several thousand items and a couple hundred makers on the website. Uh the stores are typically not large enough to hold all of those items, so we may have, you know, 30% of what we carry online in the stores. It really depends it. on the square footage. So, Got it. But lately our approach has really been to bring a maker into the store first and see how well that product does in the store before we put them online. Got, oh, cool. So it will be a really good testing ground then. It is,
1: yeah, that's awesome. So obviously, you know, these days there's a huge trend towards Made in America, you know, and even more so in the, in this particular year, um, just with all the pending tariffs and things of, of things made outside the U.S. So how, how has that affected you guys at all? I mean, are you finding that there's more people contacting you saying, hey, we make in America now, or, you know, people kind of, finding your brand just because they're looking more for that, you know, and and are you finding that that you're getting an insurgence of vendors applying?
0: Yeah, well, definitely. So we're definitely excited and feel fortunate to be riding this wave of American made right now. (laughs) We really feel like um, we hit the market you know, at the right place at the right time, and definitely feel very blessed for that. Um, But yeah, there's a very exciting resurgence right now in Made in the USA. It's really both from young adults who have decided to become makers, you know, part of the maker movement, but also consumers that want to buy um, Made in the USA. And yes, we have had a lot more Um, makers that are applying to become makers on our website and in our store just because more people are doing it now it's it's almost like we're going back to a time of self-sufficiency where Mm -hmm. more folks want to make their own products and run their own businesses and more consumers are conscientious from buying from these local makers and I think that just more buyers understand that supporting these makers maintains the rich part of our culture and, you know, strengthens our communities. It ties people closer together and it keeps dollars local in our communities, which I think people are much more aware of now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um,
1: And it's amazing how many things you see in, in, in boutiques and stores that, you are surprised. I'm always surprised when I see specific things that are made in the U.S. That I'm always, you know, that I just assume are made overseas because it looks like it's probably really expensive to make here, and then you realize that people have figured out, you know, how to manufacture in the U.S. at an affordable price. So mm-hmm. it makes me—it's very exciting. I mean, I, I manufactured my whole handbag line in the U.S. when I had it. So. Um, how do you guys find products? I mean, do you guys actually go out on the hunt and look, or do you kind of sit back now and wait for? I mean, I'm sure you've done that <laughs> for the first couple, for the first year at least, but now that you guys are in right. three, do people just find you, or do you guys have to actively look for stuff, or is that like some of the fun part for you,
0: or how does that work? Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we still very much go on the hunt, and that really is probably the most fun part for me. I love it. Um, But, yeah, we get our makers through lots of different channels, but I would say that most of the makers we have we find through proactive searches. So we are proactively going out to craft fairs. We do Instagram searches. We Google for specific product types like modern macrame wall hanging, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. to find exactly what we're looking for. so, yeah, most of them come through our proactive search. But we also have an application form on our website, and we receive a lot of applications every day. Um, and then another source are, you know, makers who stumble upon our store shopping and then learn about what we're doing and then, you know, decide that they want to become a maker in one of the stores. Yeah. I bet, I bet yeah. the uh, the research
1: part is really fun. <laughs>
0: It is. Oh, it's man. really fun. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and so I know you guys look for certain qualities in your in your in the products that you carry, you know, obviously made in the USA. Um, but you I've seen I saw some of the things on your site, you know, mentioning sustainability and recycled goods sort of how, how does that fit into right. what you guys do? And is that like a requirement or is that just a plus or how
0: does that work? The sustain yeah, the sustainability um, part of it is a requirement. Um, so we do select products that are sustainable, which for us means they have a minimal impact on the environment and come from renewable resources, like repurposing existing materials as much as possible. Um, you know, for instance, we sell skateboards and wooden bowls that are made out of reclaimed wood or stumps that remain after decades of uh, clear-cutting projects. Mm -hmm. Um, And then most of the body products that we sell use plant materials that are grown organically on the maker's property. Uh, We have other products that are made out of recycled glass or recycled leather, and we even have purses that are made out of old Army blankets and old Army uniforms. So we really do look for products like that. I think, um, I mean, it's just fun to run into makers who are creative like that (laughs) who can Mm -hmm. find amazing old materials and repurpose them in amazing ways.
1: Um, Yeah. And it also, I would imagine, makes for a more creative designer and who are probably Mm -hmm. making things that are more interesting. I mean, I, you know, I I looked extensive, I looked extensively at your, at your website and (laughs) and drooled over a few things that I was like, Oh, I wish
0: I had a place for
1: that. Um, right, and, you know, it's, <laughs> I don't really need six new vases, um, but but it was. I mean, I thought it was great for gifts too. So it's definitely going right. on my. I already. I even pinned a few things already. <laughs> oh, oh good. My, yeah, I have a special file on my Pinterest board for products that I love, and I like pin stuff all year, and then I go back and visit it at birthdays and holiday time. <laughs> it's actually right. really easy to save things that way. So. Um, so do you guys, um, I mean, obviously with your stores, you have to inventory all the goods that you're selling in the store, but for the website,
0: do you stock products or drop ship? How does that work? Yeah. So because we have brick and mortar locations, for the most part, we stock products in the brick and mortar locations and then ship out of the locations. We do have a small percentage of orders that come in through the website and are drop shipped, which means that we... Ship them directly from the maker to the customer, and we don't we don't touch those shipments. But it mm-hmm. is a small percentage of what we have. So, is that you
1: mean because most of your sales come through the stores, or that you guys because mostly handle you, the online stuff?
0: Yeah, um, most of what we sell online, we do have stocked in the stores. So we got it. We just ship it out of the store. Yeah, great. So, are
1: the are all the makers that you work with kind of are they well known in their craft prior to to you selecting them, or do you kind of select them based on their craftiness and their unknownness? If that's even a word.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I would I love say words. only a. I know, I would say yeah. only a handful of our makers are well known, meaning that. Either people recognize the brand, or maybe the maker sells in dozens of retail stores. Mm-hmm. Um, the vast majority of the makers we have are very small, meaning that uh, that they are the sole proprietor maker. Everything, you know, there's only one person in the company, or that maker might have an assistant or two that helps with marketing or shipping. So for the most part, our makers are very small and mostly unknown. <laughs> And, um, you know, our makers probably sell and, you know, sometimes they only sell to our store and sometimes they only mm. sell to a couple more stores. But mm-hmm. we like finding people who are, who are new and emerging. Yeah. I mean, it gives you a whole leg up on,
1: you know, releasing the brand to the world and, and being mm-hmm. the, the go-to place for people to come and buy it. So totally get that. Um, how do you guys develop your relationships with the makers? I mean, do you do you work on, like, do you guys just, do you ever suggest things that you wish that they made or share comments that you get from, you know, online questions or things like that? You know, oh, you make a the wooden skateboard, can you make a purple skateboard too? Or, you know, <laughs> something like that. Right, exactly. Um, that kind of, that sort of helps them develop
0: their brand at all? Or... Yeah, we do. So we, we really treat our makers like they're part of our family. We have Mm -hmm. a very personal relationship with all of them. Um, we visit their studios. They stop by our stores. I mean, frequently when we go on vacations, we stop and see them if they live outside of the Bay Area. But, um, We do support each other in marketing because, you know, we're all small businesses and Mm -hmm. we can all help each other by doing co-marketing together. So we do do a lot of co-marketing with our makers and we also work on collaborative products. So like you said, we will give feedback to our buyers about what customers liked or didn't like about their products. And we will work with them to potentially revise products to have in our store. Um, And we talked about this earlier before we started this call, but because of my business consulting background, we've also always planned to provide advisory services and marketing support to our makers. Um, So this is something that we really hope to get into more this next year.
1: Mm. Well, speaking of marketing, (laughs) how do you guys promote your online business? I mean, obviously – you know, it's got to be different than the store, you know, the physical store locations. But mm-hmm. because you are, an, you know, mainly, you know, you have a big online presence, um, do you guys do a lot of, do you do direct email marketing? What, what's your, what works best for you guys?
0: Yeah, so I would say that email marketing drives the majority of our online sales. And that's in addition to, organic seo so i would say those are the two big things that drive sales online Uh, we do use social sites so we um we find that instagram is the best for us and in terms of facebook we find that facebook is useful to drive people to our monthly markets that we hold at santana row Um, once Mm -hmm. a month we have about 40 artisans come in um, for a day market where we have live music and wine and ites. so facebook has been great for driving people to that um Mm -hmm. yeah so and do you guys do man do you
1: manage i mean you personally or somebody on your team i don't know how many people you have working for you now but do you guys manage all your own social posting and are you involved in that
0: at all Yes, I'm very involved in social <laughs> posting. So <clears throat> we, have, um, we have one guy on our team that manages all of the e-commerce and email marketing, all the marketing that drives people to the website. And we have one girl on our team that manages um, all of the social media. Got it. So we do that okay. all in-house. Got it.
1: And, and let me just go back and ask you a question about your email marketing. When you guys are mm-hmm. doing your email promotions, essentially, right, sending emails to your list, um, do you guys offer a lot of sale coupons and promotions for the site in general or specific designers, or do you never offer online you know, discounts or things like that? How do you guys do that?
0: <clears throat> right. We try to minimize the discounts because we really are selling – unique, one-of-a-kind handmade product, and we don't want to diminish the value of that. Um, but we do, each week, generally pick one product that might be a deal of the week or whatever. But mm-hmm. in general, we try to, you know, maintain the prices as they are unique handmade products.
1: Mhm. Um, and do you guys do emails about other things too besides just promoting products?
0: We do. So our emails have a mix of products. Uh, we also have a couple of do-it-yourself projects usually in each email. Uh, we'll include a blog. Usually we'll write a blog about one of our new makers and you know, to give our, um, our customers an idea of that maker's background and what inspires them. So usually we have a blog about something like that in there as well. And how often do you guys blog? We blog once or twice a week.
1: And do you, and is that kind of what you rely on for a lot of natural SEO?
0: Uh, that as well as just making sure that all the products on our website are appropriately tagged mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that we have appropriate other content on our website that the descriptions... Right are enticing and unique and so forth.
1: Yeah. Do, you, um, do any of your team members make products as well?
0: They do. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I mean, I really do prefer hiring people to work in the store and to work for the company who are also artists themselves because I feel like they just understand it more. Um, they're more compassionate or more passionate, mm-hmm. I should say, about our mission. Sure. Yeah. And um just provide a lot more value to the customers that walk in the store. And mm-hmm. usually when we have one of our makers working in our store, they find that their product sells, you know, up to four times as much as it sells when they're not in the store so wow so they typically like to work in the store (laughs) yeah i'd I'd be there like
1: twice a week (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) do they um do any of your makers do you ever do trunk shows or things like that in the stores
0: since they're since on the days they're there the money goes up yes we do um When we were in Union Square, we had more space for trunk shows, and we would usually do a trunk show every week uh,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: there. But in our store down in Santana Rose, San Jose, the store square footage is a bit smaller, so that is why we do our monthly maker's market in the park where we can bring in 40 artists.
1: Got Mm -hmm. it. And and so for that... um, for the maker's market on those Saturdays, that craft festival, is that just your people or are there, is it like a farmer's market on one side and you guys on one side?
0: It's just us. Um, So we usually, I like to use that to bring in brand new makers uh, to see how well received their products are. So we do kind Mm -hmm. of use it as a testing ground to see what, products people will like, and then mm-hmm. that gives us ideas for what to carry in the store and what to carry online. Awesome. So, yeah, so it's kind of your
1: your massive trunk show area. <laughs> <laughs> it it is. new brands. Yeah, no, that's so
0: it cool. Is. Um, and so what's next for you guys? What's next for
1: Maker's Market?
0: Yeah, so a few of them I mentioned a little bit earlier. So the big projects that we have in the works are – Uh, 10,000 square feet on one of the piers in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. um, adding another store in the Bay Area this year, opening um, the one in Manhattan, store within a Mm -hmm. store of a large department store, and then another store in New York. So those are the main things we're focused on this year. I think ultimately we would like to have about 10 to 15 locations that are in areas that have... Um, strong maker communities as well as mm-hmm. a lot of international tourism because mm. international tourists love American made products and oh yeah Union Square was extremely successful for us because of all the international tourists that come to Union Square <clears throat> so that would be on our roadmap for this next year that's so cool
1: I'm so excited I can't wait to here the, you know um, I signed up on your mailing list.
0: Can't wait to hear about all the launches
1: uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when when are you, when do you think the stores in San Francisco will be opening?
0: uh one should be opening this summer, and the large one should open um holiday season of two thousand eighteen Cool. That's so exciting. Um, yes. Well, and Susie has gen- generously offered
1: the coupon code Entrepreneur for $10 off any order of $50 or more, and that will be posted on the podcast page as well. And uh, you guys can totally find everything cool that you need to buy for your next gifting session at makersmarket.us. And I'll have links to all of their social pages and everything on the uh, podcast page Susie, thank you so much for your time and i really am excited for you guys and can't wait to touch and feel all the jewelry and bags and ceramics and glassware soaps candles and all the kind of cool stuff that you guys carry because i'm going to come see you hopefully this summer and when i'm in san francisco (laughs) so thank you again and good luck with everything and uh, can't wait to catch up with you another time
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Sarah. It was nice talking to you. You too. Thanks for tuning in to A Street Smart MBA with Sarah Shaw. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes anytime, anywhere. And we'll see you on the next one.